0: Turn to your Bibles this morning to the book of Psalms. We've been singing some Psalms today, and by the way, that is what we're commanded to do in Scripture. We see that it's not an option for God's people to sing Psalms. We are commanded to do so. So that is why we take up our Psalters and we do sing. We do so out of obedience unto the Lord. We do believe that uh, He's given us an inspired Psalm book. And it's a delight to sing in it. This morning, we also want to preach it. Not only is the book of Psalms meant for singing, but it's also very didactic. That is, it's it's a teaching tool for us. And so this morning, I want us to turn to Psalm 119. Uh, I'm sure we're all very aware of Psalm 119. It is a psalm that deals or speaks of the Word of God. speaks about the Bible. The very thing that you have in your lap this morning or I have on my desk here. The Word of God. The Scriptures. And so this is a psalm that is dedicated, as it were, to the glory of God's Word. It it honors God's Word. So we want to look at a portion of Scripture from that. Now, I would like us to read this morning verse 9 down through verse 16. And my text will be verse 16 itself. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? by taking heed thereto according to thy word. With my whole heart have I sought thee. O let me not wander from thy commandments. Thy word have I hid in mine heart that I might not sin against thee. Blessed art thou, O Lord, teach me thy statutes. With my lips I have declared all the judgments of my mouth. I have rejoiced in the way of thy testimonies as much as in all riches. I will meditate in thy precepts And have respect unto thy ways. I will delight myself in thy statutes. I will not forget thy word. Again, my text is verse 16. I will delight myself in thy statutes. I will not forget thy word. As we mentioned, the context of this, of course, is the word of God itself. And David... Uh, giving all the praise and honor and glory here at this point in regards to the Word of God, the law of God, the testimonies of God, the statutes of God. Those are all synonymous as far as David uses them here in this particular psalm. So it's a psalm that does speak about the Word of God. And we see just from this small section here that David has a great respect for the Word of God. Both in his, both in the far as the, the Word of itself is concerned and also to the practice of the Word of God. See, it's one thing to read it. It's one thing to memorize it. It's another thing, brethren, to obey it. It's one thing to have the Word of God just permeate everything that we think and do. It's another thing to take up the precepts and then apply them in our walk and live them before this world. The first is easy. We can get us a nice commentary. We can get us a body of divinity and we can study until we may think that we have all the stuff down very well. But then to take up our feet and then go to work or you brothers being mothers or you fathers being fathers and all those aspects of our callings and then apply those things, it's a whole different matter, isn't it? It takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of resolve. And it takes the grace of God to do so we see a man who I believe David was who was very busy we've made comments before how that <clears throat> you know there are so, who we said, well I just don't have enough time to read the Bible I'm so busy in my life well here's King David uh, he was busy he was ruler of all the nation of Israel he heard cases continually he had the ongoing of the kingdom to take care of he was busy out lots of times fighting wars and yet here is a man who took time to meditate in the Word of God continually, consistently. I doubt if any of you here this morning are as busy as David was in his kingdom and all that he had to do. And yet we find a man who is given over to the love and to the obedience of God's Word. Look at the eyes, if you would, of David. I don't mean the two in his head, but the eyes listed in verses nine through verse sixteen, or beginning actually in verse ten. He says, "With my whole heart, I have sought thee." Verse eleven, I, "That I might not sin against thee." Verse thirteen, "With thy my lips, I have declared thy the judgments of thy mouth." Verse fourteen, "I have rejoiced in the way of thy." testimonies verse 15 i will meditate verse 16 i will delight i will not forget thy word what an example that is to us isn't it here is a king busy man here is a king who is a christian here is a king who sought to be obedient to the word of god that he loved and had delight in Would to god that would be said of all of us here this morning would to God that we would have the the example of David uh, as far as our lives are concerned. It's true when none of us here are kings, except in Christ Jesus, we're kings and priests unto the Lord. But none of us are ruling a kingdom. None of us are normally out fighting uh, uh, carnal battles. By that I don't mean wrong battles, but I just mean you know with guns and bullets. None of us are doing that. We're at our homes. We're at our place of business. We're at our schools. We're at our positions, Whatever they may be, and. You know, we can be just as faithful as David wherever we might be by the grace of God. But brethren, we will not do so unless we have the mindset of David here in the Scripture, in this Psalm. There has to be a satisfaction with God's word. There are many people who fight and argue and kick against Scripture. And I'm telling I'm talking about people who claim to be Christians. They know what it says, but they just will not do it. They're not satisfied with it. There's no delight in it. But that's not so of David, is it? Notice what he says. I will delight myself in thy statutes. He wanted to know God's Word. He wanted to be content with with God's Word. He wanted to have this special love and concern for God's Word. Look in Psalm 138 and verse 2. This is an amazing verse, I think. We think of God's name being above all names. You know, Jesus Christ Himself is given a name that is above every name but, uh, both in heaven and earth. But you know, there is something that's even above Christ's name and God's name. you know what that is? Psalm 138 verse 2 tells us it's the Word of God itself. By the way, this is a correct translation that I'm reading to you here. I will worship toward thy holy temple and praise thy name for thy loving kindness and for thy truth. For thou hast magnified thy word above all thy name. It wasn't David, I want you to understand, who magnified God's word above God's name, but it was God Himself that did so. God himself took his word and he said, This word, and I'm playing this out obviously, this word is above my very name. Well, then if that be true, and it is, then obviously verse 16 ought to be reality for us as if we proclaim to be Christians here this morning. I will delight myself in thy statutes, I will not forget thy word. Well, I'd like us to have two observations from this text this morning. First of all, very simple. Uh, my headings usually are not very brilliant. They're normally just whatever the text says. But uh, this one I think I've outdone myself. It's first one is this. We should delight in the Word of God. How about that for a heading? Pretty simplistic to remember, isn't it? We should delight in the Word of God. Now, the second one's even brighter than this one. It's this one. We should not forget the Word of God. Two simplistic observations from our text, isn't it? Uh, we should delight in the Word of God and we should not forget the Word of God. So that's what we want to think about this morning as we come to verse 16. I will delight myself in thy statutes. I will not forget thy Word. For the first thing, we should delight in the Word of God. Let me say, first of all, when I say the Word of God, I want you to understand what I mean by that. When I say the Word of God, I mean the Bible. And when I say the Bible, I'm talking about the thing that I have here on my desk. Or the thing you happen to have in your lap at this moment. When I say the Bible, I mean the 66 books of our Protestant Scriptures. The Word of God. There's one guy I heard recently. said, I believe the Bible from the book of Genesis all the way to the book of Maps. I thought that was kind of funny how he said that because we have the maps in the back of the He was just so sure that this was the Word of God. That was his intention. He wasn't making fun of it. He was str- stressing there how much he believed that his Bible was the Word of God. Do you believe that this morning? Seriously. And I, and I wrote, well, yeah, that's it. But seriously, do you really believe that what you possess, not what David possessed back there, not what Moses originally written, but what you have in your hand, do you really believe it to be the Word of God? If not, then we're not even at the first base yet, are we? We have to have it resolved, brethren, that we do have God. How in the world can I delight in something I don't know or can't find or don't have? We're not talking about something that's out there in the wild blue yonder. We're not talking about something that's that's, uh, in the objective, though in a sense it is. It's the Word of God. But I'm talking about something that I can feel. I can look at. And when I get a new Bible, I like to smell it because it has that new leather smell. I'm talking about something that I can latch on to. And that's what I have sitting right here in front of me. So, well, I don't believe that. I'm not interested in what you believe, to be quite honest. I'm interested in what the Bible says. And I honestly believe, whether you believe or I believe or not, it doesn't matter. This is the Word of God. This is the truth. It is not only the originals that are Scripture. You hear that a lot. You see that a lot in Bible commentaries that only the original is given by inspiration. That's nonsense. When David wrote this, he didn't have the original. And yet he could say he could delight in the Word of God. David had a copy. Probably had a copy that he made because you remember back in Deuteronomy, I think it's chapter 17. He's commanded as a king to make his copy of a law himself. He is to personally, or have one of his underlings anyway, write out the law of God. So he didn't have the original Moses when he said that. Neither did uh, the Lord Jesus when he stood in Capernaum and read from the book of Isaiah. He didn't have the original. He had a copy. So how do you know that? Because uh, there was an Ethiopian eunuch who had the same book, remember? Back in Acts chapter 8. It wasn't the original either. But they were all called Scripture, weren't they? The Word of God. Brethren, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. It's the Word of God. So don't get caught up in this scholar's argument that's out there today that only the originals are inspired or really the Word of God. No, what we have is the Word of God. Be satisfied with that. So first of all, we have to believe. Before we can delight in the Scriptures, we have to recognize that we have it. And we do. B, or secondly, my misnumbered outline here, from our text we see that this was David's desire. Notice this. He says, I will delight. He would delight in it. He has set his heart. He has resolved at this point to do this. Now think with me here at this moment. David had much going on in his life to delight him. Think about it. He's a king. And one of the prerogatives of a king is that they can do what they want. They can have what they want. They could have all that they wanted. You remember when God rebuked David because of his sin with Bathsheba? You remember what God told Nathan to tell David? Listen to these words because it's very interesting. He says in 2 Samuel, And I gave thee thy master's house and thy master's wives into thy bosom and gave thee the house of Israel and of Judah. And if that had been too little... I would moreover have given unto thee such and such things. All David had to have done was ask. and God would have fulfilled it. That's what he said there. This was part of the rebuke that David received was that God, why would you go sin like this, David, when God would have given you your heart's desire? So you see, He he could have had all that he wanted. And yet, at this text in verse 16, what does he say? I will delight myself in thy statutes. David could have taken comfort in many things, couldn't he? Now again, he was the king. But he recognized where true comfort was found, and that was in his labors of the Word of God. Notice verse 30. He says, I have chosen the way of truth. Thy judgments have I laid before me. Verse 72 He says, the law of thy mouth is better unto me than thousands of gold and silver. I'm sure most of us are concerned at least in somewhat of our bank account or the lack thereof. And there's concerns there, isn't there? But David says my my comfort, my desires is not in my riches, it's not in my glory, but it's in the Word of God. The Word of God to David was food for his soul. We're going to eat here in a little bit. It'll be lunchtime. Rightfully so. It's a lawful thing to do. Enjoy the blessings that God has given us. But brethren, there is something more to life than feeding our faces with temporal foods. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Jeremiah says, Thy words were found, and I did eat them. And thy word was unto me the joy and rejoicing of mine heart. For I am called by thy name, O Lord God of hosts. Where did Jeremiah? Uh, Jeremiah was in a strait. He was in terrible... The, the nation of Israel was in ram, uh, just falling apart. Jeremiah had to preach to a nation that had went wayward, who would apostatize from the truth. Every time he spoke, his life was on the line, literally. He could have been killed because when he preached, he seemed so unpatriotic. He says, you know, Babylon's going to come in and they're going to wipe us clean. They're going to clean our plate. But they said, oh no, you're speaking against the nation. You're speaking against us. Jeremiah says, it's true because it's thus saith the Lord. And they punished him. Finally, end up throwing him into a deep ditch to lie in the mire. And yet, David could, or Jeremiah could say, "Thy word was unto me the joy and the rejoicing of my heart." Brethren, in the midst of your trials, what's the joy and the rejoicing of your heart? I hope and I pray that it's the word of God. David said, I take delight, or I delight in the law of God. No, excuse me, that was Paul that said that one. I delight in the law of God after the inward man. It's the mark of a blessed man. It's the mark of a Christian to delight in God's Word. He says in Psalm 1, a very familiar passage to all of us. Just need to get there. Psalm 1, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful, But his delight is in the law of the Lord and in His law that he meditate day and night. His delight is not with the world. His delight is not with the philosophies of of our day or His day. He says, but my delight is in God's law. His truth. David was possessed, as it were, with the law of God, with delighting in God's Word. He delighted in. Notice uh, verse 24. Thy testimonies also are my delight and my counselors. Verse uh, 77 from this same psalm. Let thy tender mercies come unto me that I may live, for thy law is my delight. Once again. Notice the um, uh, same psalm, verse 92. He says, uh, there it is. Unless thy law had been my delights, now it's plural, isn't it? Delights, I should then have perished in mine affliction. You know why, brethren, sometimes your affliction feels like it's just too overbearing and you're not going to make it? Could it be, and I'm not playing Job's friends here this morning, but could it be, it may be a lack of delight in God's Word? Look what David says. Unless thy law had been my delights, I should have perished in mine affliction. Rather than trusting in the affliction, rather than trusting in the things about him and delighting in those things that probably God took away from him, he was delightful in the things of God. Now, in what ways does the child of God delight in God's Word? What are some ways in which we would delight? So, as we describe something of this, I said, well, we ought to delight in God's Word. You say, well, what does this mean? Well, now we're getting to the meat of the matter. What does it mean to delight in God's Word? Well, first of all, obviously, it would mean reading it. How would you know you have delight in God's Word if you don't know what it is? I'm sure most of us as we've witnessed and give testimony of the gospel and we come to folks and we tell them about the Bible and they say, oh, it's just so hard. I don't understand it. We say, well, you read it. Well, no. Well, is there any wonder then it would be hard and difficult? Well, sure it is. The sad thing is all of our Bibles are written in seventh grade English. What's so hard about that? Seriously, it's seventh grade. Even our authorized version which everybody likes to dog was written in 7th grade grammar style in English. It's not that difficult. Now, there's spiritual truths, no doubt, that needs the grace of God to enlighten our eyes, but nonetheless, we can read it and understand it. You remember the eunuch, as we quoted just a few moments ago, when he was coming from public worship there at, from Jerusalem. What was he doing in that chariot? Did he have his headphones on and he was banging away as he was riding back to Egypt? That's what most of us do, it? What was he doing? He was reading the Scriptures. So, brethren, if you say you delight in God's Word, then one of the things that will be found in you then, if you have a Bible, is that you will read it. Don't fool yourself into thinking you have such a delight for God's Word if you don't read it. Secondly, there will be a hearing of the Word. To say, I delight in God's Word, then you'll want to hear it. That's the primary way in which God's Word was assimilated in times past. You know, today you can go to Walmart or Kmart and buy a Bible. Well, that wasn't true all the way down through history, was it? Most of the folks who wanted to read or to hear the Bible had to go somewhere where it was at, where it could be found. In the days of the Reformation, you remember that when uh, England at one time didn't have Bibles, they had the Latin Bible, but it wasn't the Bible in their own vernacular, their own language. And of course, the priest would stand up and read from the Latin. The common people couldn't understand that. People like me couldn't understand that. And so finally, because of the Reformation taking place, there were some Bibles produced. Tyndale and some of those men were translating the Scriptures. and, And what they would do is that they made a law, believe it or not, that they had to have a Bible in every church. And then one of the Bibles was called the Great Bible, and this great Bible was called the Great Bible because this thing was huge it, and what they did was they put a little bracket on it and a chain and then they chained it to the uh, to the pulpit. So anybody you know why they did that, don't you? So no one would walk off with it. even in that day they had people who steal Bibles out of hotels. I suppose they steal bibles out of church, didn't they? that's what they had to do. but that was the place where people could come hear because it wasn't so readily available like we have it today but in biblical times the primary way of knowing God's word was the hearing of it James says wherefore be swift to hear be quick to hear God's people have an experimental working of God's Word in them so that they delight to hear God's Word. The Bible says, As newborn babe, desire ye the sincere milk of the Word. David said, I was glad when they said unto me, Let us go into the house of the Lord. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved it is the power of God. Brethren, if you delight in God's Word, then you will delight in hearing it in public worship family worship thirdly there will be a meditating and an exercising our minds upon the word of God remember what we read back there in Psalm 1 with David again what did he say the blessed man is the one who doesn't walk like the world but his delight is in the law of the Lord and in his law doth he meditate day and night so there will be a meditation than upon God's Word. That's why we preached here a few months ago on the art of meditating. What does it mean to meditate? And so we went through about what four or five weeks studying the the scriptural duty and the nature and the application of meditation. Why? Because that is what a true Christian will do. They will delight, and in that delight, they will meditate in the law of God. Notice verse 15. He says, I will meditate in thy precepts and have respect unto thy ways. Verse 14, notice, he rejoiced in them. I have rejoiced in the way of thy testimonies. Verse 13, he spoke them with my lips. I have declared all the judgments of thy mouth. You see, that's what we mean by delighting. There will be a rejoicing. There will be a meditation. There will even be a speaking of the Word. There's no such thing, no such thing, as a closed-mouth Christian. It's impossible. Because that what's in the heart will come out. So all these folks who claim to be shy, it's an un- and, and shy to the point that they don't speak it's an unbiblical thing I'd to go as far as this it's an unholy thing because a true Christian delights to speak about God's Word and that's thus that is the vehicle by which sinners are saved and it's just not me who does the preaching we preach as it were, when we go out into community and live, where we go to our jobs, when our families, all this witnessing that we ought to be doing it's because we have a delight in the Word of God and it can't let come out. If it's in my heart, it's going to come out. We will speak the Word of God. And then of course, this will enable us not to forget the Word. That's what he says secondly then. This is my second heading. I will not forget thy word. So, we see here that we should not forget the Scriptures. If all those things that we have said thus far is true, and we trust that they are, and David certainly counted it so, then we Christians should not forget the Scriptures. If David's delight, if his love, if his hope, and he had such a... <clears throat> remember, the Scripture says he had such a sweet taste that the word had to his soul. How sweet are thy words? He says unto my taste, yea, sweeter than honey <clears throat> to my mouth. Then we won't forget the word, will we? How could he? How many of you husbands who are happily married here? How many of you could forget your wife? You say, oh, that's impossible. Well, I would because I love her, and she's she's always on my mind. She's she's who I bring home the bacon to. She's the reason why I do all that I do as far as my family life is concerned. I love her. You wouldn't forget her, would you? are you wise for your husband? Or I could take your children for that matter. And we're not talking about putting our wives or our children in any place, but where the Bible puts them in our minds and thinking. We're talking about lawful thoughts towards our loved ones. So who could forget them? I couldn't because I love them. I delight in my children. I delight in my wife. I delight in my husband. Well, it's the same way with this. Brethren, what you have delight in, we won't forget. I won't forget my wife. You won't forget your wife or your husband because you love them. Notice verse 15 again. It says there, He meditated. He thought about them. What does it mean here to forget? What does forgetting mean? He says here, I won't forget it. I will not forget thy word. Well, first of all, it means what we normally think of what forgetting means. You just don't remember. It was there in the mind, but suddenly it's not there anymore. Our minds, our affections, uh, it was all there at one time, but we just forgot it. I'm going to give you an example. Many of us memorize Scripture, or at least we have something, portions of the Word of God memorized, But because of a lack of attention or not taking time to repeat them over and over again, what happens? We tend to forget. Anyone who's learned a foreign language, if they don't use it on a regular basis, what happens? You tend to forget it, don't you? Well, that's the way it is with the Bible, believe it or not. We tend to forget because we don't use it. It's not a thing that goes along in our lives as it ought to be. But David says here he re- is resolved here not to forget God's Word. Secondly, it means to ignore. We really remember it, but we just ignore it. Israel had this problem, just as you and I do. Jeremiah says, Can a maid forget her ornaments or a bride her attire? Yet my people have forgotten me days without number. Now, they knew there was a God book of Romans tells us that all men know by nature there's a God in heaven. So that's not what they meant when they said they forgot. It's just that they ignored God. Jeremiah says that's what the people of Israel have done. Sometimes that's what we can do. We know what the Bible says, but because it made great against us, we just want to ignore that one. Don't we? Thirdly, it means disobedience. Proverbs 3 and verse 1. He says, My son, forget not my law, but let thine heart keep my commandments. Forgetting there is the opposite of keeping. That's the contrast he's showing there. So disobedience is the same thing as forgetting. Psalm 103 verse 18 says To such as keep His covenant And to those that remember His commandments To do them Remembering and keeping Put in the same voice there Fourthly, there's comfort We'll take the time to go into that But Genesis 41 verse 51 When we remember the Word of God We're comforted by the Word of God There is a forsaking of the Word Similar to disobedience and ignoring Philippians 3 verse 12 But in these things, though, we see here that David is not willing to do that, is he? I will not forget thy word. Now, why would a Christian forget God's word? How many of you forgot God's word before? Most of us raise our hands in importance like that. Forgot it in some way in which we've described it. Well, one, because of a lack of knowledge. My people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. Because thou hast rejected knowledge, I also will reject thee, that thou should be no priest to me. Saying thou hast forgotten the law of thy God, I will also forget thy children. See how he puts those two things together? That's thought there. And I'd say we're living in such a day, would you not? That there is a lack of knowledge in our land, lack of knowledge in so-called Bible-believing churches, And brethren, there's so much to know and there's so much to learn, isn't there? But we would rather spend time doing other things. Perhaps even things that are lawful in themselves, but not redeeming the time as we ought to. Secondly, it's a lack of delight in God's Word itself. The first part of our text then would give us motivation not to forget. If I delighted in God's Word, why would I want to forget it? Thirdly, disobedient in the present understanding and duty. Again, Proverbs 3.1. Keep God's commandments. Fourthly, there's a hard-heartedness. If you read this whole psalm, you'd have to admit it's speaking of a man who has a very tender heart. David is not stoic in these passages at all. You know what stoic means, children? It's the idea that nothing bothers you. Mm, tough. Yeah. tough. Nothing bothers you. Now, see, I, David was not like that. David had things that spoke to his conscience, that spoke to his heart. He was, and I'll use the word very carefully here this morning because I know how it could be misused, but David was a very emotional man. Uh, emotion, I don't mean it in the way we think of it today. But he had affections, and he spoke of them often. The word delight is some kind of an affection. So, David here was a very tender hearted man. And, brethren, if we're tender hearted towards the Word of God, we won't forget it. Fourthly, or fifthly, apathy. You know what apathy means, children? Apathy means you don't care. Nah, who cares? Well, we see much of this in our day, don't we? There are people that we dwell around on a constant basis who could care less about what the Bible says. What is sad, there are professing Christians whom we deal with probably on a day-to-day basis who could care less what God's Word has said. And you know many like that, don't you? They claim to be believers. They claim to be... If they were to die right now, they would go straight to heaven. They claim all of that. But they don't really care what the Scripture says or they'd be more obedient. And then unbelief. Why remember something you don't even believe? Why take the time? Wherefore, sirs, be of good cheer, Paul says, for I believe God that it shall be even as it was told me. Well, let me close because we're out of time this morning. With some, I've got tons here, but let's close with some application this morning. First of all, delighting in God's Word will draw us off carnal and vain things of this world. Brethren, if we have a strong compassion and a strong passion for the truth, then error will be much harder to take root in us. You don't displace error by going to class and learning about error. That's so ridiculous. And there's people who who, who make their ministry of that. They have ministries that all they deal with is with errors. You know how you deal with error according to the Bible? According to the Bible, you deal with error with truth. Knowing the truth is how you deal with error. Turn away my eyes, he said, from beholding vanity. Quicken thou me in thy way, David says. Secondly... It will take off the tediousness of serious religious exercises. By that, I mean we all realize that Christianity is a serious business, don't we? It's hard work, isn't it? It's hard work to come to church. It's hard work to sit there and listen to me. It's hard work to try not to let our minds be wandering. It's hard work to go home and to pray. It's hard work to read our Bibles and to meditate. None of us here this morning are saying these are all easy things to do. We recognize them to be hard. We recognize them to, be, to, be, to take a lot of spiritual sweat in order to do them. So we're not denying that. But brethren, the workload will become a lot easier when we enjoy and we delight in God's Word. How many of you have ever had a job that you really just hated? I hate this job. I don't like this job. Wish I wasn't here. And every day was a struggle just to get out of bed and go there, wasn't it? But then we've had jobs that we've really enjoyed. They might be hard jobs. But we really like the work itself. Which one would you rather have? Which one was easier to go do? You say, well, the one I like. Same way with the Bible, my friend. If you work that in, if that is worked in your heart, that you love God's Word and it is a delight to you, then all this serious business of being a Christian will be a lot easier. I found it so in my walk. I can testify to you of my delight in God's Word and its truth. And I find it a, I won't say fun thing, but it is. It's an enjoyable, delightful thing to be a Christian. Wouldn't trade it for the world. It's my life. I want to be obedient. I fail often, but I want to be obedient because I love God's Word. And then, fourthly, let me ask you this How shall we attain a delight in God's Word then? Well, first of all, there must be a heart for it. This morning if you're dead and trespasses and in sins You're at enmity with God because of your sins The first thing that you need to do Is to have a new heart For they that are after the flesh The Bible says do mind the things of the flesh For they that are after the spirit The things of the spirit Perhaps this morning you don't delight in God's word And the reason is Is because you have no heart for it to you, the Bible is just a book that is just going to wreck your life. That's going to take the fun out of what you have to do. Is that, your desire? is that what's in your heart today? If so, my friend, you need to have that heart cleansed by the work of grace. Repent even of this and come to Christ and seek forgiveness as it is in Him. There's no other way of salvation. There's no other way of a new heart except by Christ. So how do I know if I have Him? Well, are these things a reality for you this morning? So you know, Pastor, to be quite honest, all of that you're talking about today is just as foreign as can be. And the reason of that is because you have no heart, my friend. There's no salvation. You're lost in your sins. Condemned. And the only thing that is waiting is the sentence to be carried out. Let me encourage you this morning to repent of this and come to Christ. Christ is the perfect sacrifice. He satisfied all of God's righteous demands that you could not and bore them on the cross For our sins Trust in Him this morning Believe upon Him And then secondly To the Christian I say Cleanse your heart If our hearts are guilty of sin We will not delight as we ought to In the Word of God Because you know why? Because when you read it It will prick your conscience And that's not a comfortable feeling Is it? That's the way it's supposed to work Listen to Peter's exhortation Wherefore, laying aside all malice and all guile and hypocrisies and envies and all evil speakings, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. How will we desire the milk of the word? By laying aside all those things that are hindrances to us. James says it this way. Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness and receive with meekness the engrafted Word which is able to save your souls. You see, you can't go out and play in the world and dream like the world and do like the world and then expect to come in and have a pleasurable time with the Bible. It won't happen. If it does, you've just been deceived. Deceived. Your heart is so carnal that you have no idea what you're doing. Lay aside those things, my friend. And then thirdly, from our text, and lastly this morning, we see that there must be a resolve. It didn't just happen, did it? David said, I will delight. I will not. That's a resolve. This is the time of year you know, or at least it's already passed, where everybody makes those New Year's resolutions. And as I said recently, I don't that's neither here nor there whether people really want to do that. But the idea is you're going to say, Here are some things I need to do and I've got to do them, and I'm gonna get to it. Brethren, that's Christian thinking. It really is. And David's Christian thinking, his resolutions at this time was, I will delight myself. Despite what may come, the sins that may be there, the temptations I may have, I'm going to put all of those aside because I will delight. I will not let something defeat that. I will delight. He didn't go, well, you know, I don't know if I'll be able to do this. Oh, but boy, I just, you know. No, I will. He's bold here. I will delight. And then secondly, he's bold and not forgetting either. I will not forget. Well, you know, I might forget. I don't know know about this. I I know I don't have to. No, I will not. He's secure in this. He has confidence. Not in himself, but in God that will make him do it. Who is it, brethren, that works in us both to will and to do of his good pleasure? Is it not God himself? So David's not boasting here. David is relying on the promises and on the power of God in all of this. And may that be where our hope is this morning rather than ourselves.